Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. And wow, what a playoffs they were having. But before we get to the playoffs, I want to start with just the apparent obsessive group of people that just want to make trade after trade after trade. And this, for the most part, is just nuts. Now there are people that want Montreal to acquire Mitch Marner from Toronto because of quote-unquote the core for needing to be broken up. Look, I'm a huge fan of Mitch Marner with out a question out there. He's one of my four favorite players in the entire league. That said, he does not fit in with the Montreal Canadiens. Just like any of the other people that people want to see Montreal go after, this is just the latest one. He's not going to be in the same age group. He's already three to four years older than anybody on the team as far as the new kids and young kids on the team. He's going to be 30 by the time they most likely win the Stanley Cup in Montreal. And most importantly, it's amazing that everybody can understand that we need to get rid of the messes of the contracts that the team was subject to dealing with and weighing them down when the new management took over. And now for some reason that's escaped people's minds and they want to have a repeat of that by bringing in really expensive players. First of all, Mitch Marner is going to go right to the straight top position of the team salary, and I would not put him ahead of Suzuki or Caulfield, just for openers. So you're going to disrupt the whole cap management of the team. We're back to the whole story again that occurred somewhere between Brendan Gallagher, Max Pacioretty, and P.K. Subban as far as the dysfunctional locker room issue. So that's all back on the table. Why would anybody want to go there? What is with these obsessions of Montreal has to acquire Mitch Marner, Montreal has to acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois, Montreal has to acquire Carter Hart, which really blew my mind, Montreal has to acquire Alexei Lafreniere. That's insanity. There's no way they're going to be able to support, first of all, all those contracts. And most importantly, imagine the just coming unglued party there's going to be when Montreal has to let really young talent just walk away because they can't sign anymore. They traded away for players because people want to see this win-now mentality. Montreal is on a perfect pace. They are building the team the right way. You've had the people such as Suzuki, Caulfield, Caden Gooley, Arbor Jacki, Kirby Doc, all come in already. You've got in the wings, Yurav Slavkowski, Sean Farrell, and a host of others that, including centers like Owen Beck, who just had a phenomenal OHL playoff. You've got Logan Mylou, another phenomenal defensive prospect. You've got players that were late round picks that weren't even expected to be legitimate options, having phenomenal junior playoffs. It's just insane. And as much as it drives me nuts to hear names like Lafreniere, Dubois, and Mitch Marner, what is with the obsession now of having to get a hold of and trade for Carter Hart? Why would Montreal need another $5 million goaltender? Especially after the regular season that Sam Montembeau had, which was more than impressive than anybody thought he was going to achieve. Won a lot of games that Montreal shouldn't have won and then went on to the World Cup this offseason already and showcased his talents. And I'll tell you what really impressed me about Montembeau at the World Cup is the fact that he played on a team to the level that he did and shined like he did that was nowhere near 
as star-studded as teams were for Roberto Luongo, Patrick Waugh, Carey Price, Martin Brodeur. They all had star-studded teams because a lot of the players these days have gotten so tired and are just so wiped out from the regular season, they wanted to use the time to rejuvenate. They don't go. So, quote-unquote, a lot of the big stars weren't there and Montembeau turned the tournament upside down in his favor. He was by far the best goaltender, bar none. It wasn't even close. So he has more than positioned himself as the starting goaltender for the 23-24 NHL season. Whether it remains to be seen whether or not Jake Allen can actually stay healthy, he very much, I think, is in that position of needing to go to a contender in the last years of his NHL career. We've already had the conversation that I'm not even remotely sold on Caden Primo. We'll see what happens with Caden Primo. I still say there's a better than average chance he gets traded to the New Jersey Devils or somewhere in that area which would mean a New York or Philadelphia franchise because that's where he's from he is just not putting it together consistently in Montreal in the AHL it just doesn't matter he's had brilliant flashes that some people go wow this is great I mean imagine if he could do that all the time and that's the big question can he do that all the time and so far the answer has been no honestly I think the best goaltender in the Montreal organization by far right now is Jakob Dabish. Jakob Dabish played for Ohio State in the Big Ten last year, has had two just lights out seasons in a row and with really impressive numbers. Not kind of, not because he played on a great team. He did something very similar to what we were just talking about that Montembeau did. He put together two really, really back-to-back years. He's a fifth-round pick, and before anybody goes, well, you know, he can't really get excited about that. I mean, to get excited truly about a goaltender, he has to be a first-round pick or, at worst, a second-round pick let's not forget a couple of goaltenders and i'm going to name my favorite one of all time that kind of slid by the radar of every team all the way to the seventh round to his draft which was henrik lundquist and i'm not saying that Jakob davish is going to be henrik lundquist but let's stop with the late round picks can't turn into anything or can't be anything to be excited about i still say to this moment that we're talking today Jakob davish is going to be a really, really good goaltender for Montreal. Whether he gets anointed into that elite club of goaltending that they've had over their history, to be determined. But the kid's got all the tools. He's got everything going for him. He's got the desire to win. He's got the calmness to play net. Doesn't get rattled easily. He's technically solid. So he's got a lot of the boxes checked. Let's give the kid a chance. And to be quite honest, I don't want to inherit anybody else's throwaway player. If for some reason there's not any excitement over Jakob Dabish or Emmett Crotour or anybody else that Montreal currently has in its organization, let's not forget the 2023 draft is coming. I think Ken Hughes is going to be really busy. I think Montreal has a chance to unload a lot of contracts in the offseason. Will that result in any additional first-round picks? Maybe in the cases of Christian Dvorak, most likely in the case of Josh Anderson. But let's not forget about the Florida pick that everybody wants to just kind of throw away and include in some trade for somebody else is kind of almost a throw-in. At 30 31 or 32 that's where you can grab a goaltender that's where you can grab a Michael Rabel you can grab any number of the goaltenders that are scheduled to go anywhere from the late first round through the third round pick you can scoop them up you might even be able to get a couple of them and really replenish the position of goal so 
why everybody wants to trade for somebody else's cast off prospect or overpriced prospect. It's like, okay, so well, since we're spending $5 million on a goalie, I feel better. I think we've filled that position. Money has nothing to do with it. Ability, chemistry, how that player is going to gel with the team. I think people are missing the boat on the Montreal rebuild. This is not going to be a just kind of throw it together and guess scenario. This is being done with a well thought out plan at every step of the way. So many other things to discuss. Let's move on to the management coaching vacancies. They're starting to fill out finally. The ex-Toronto GM Kyle Dubas has landed in Pittsburgh as their new president and will kind of hold on to the reins of GM until he fills that position with a candidate of his choice. The coach, Mike Sullivan, seems to be completely in line with Kyle Dubas, so he's staying and not going anywhere. Brad Treeliving is the new general manager in Toronto. They went for the veteran option. They went for somebody who's been through, ironically, experiences that could be very similar in having lost Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau last year in Calgary, now faces Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Traveris. I mean, so he's right back into the uh, fire, jumping out of the frying pan again. Lucky him. What a thing to be dealing with right out of the gate. Which, of course, staying with Toronto for a moment, now everybody is trying to hedge their guess on, does Sheldon Keith stay? Does the roster get blown up? Who knows? Who knows? And ironically, Mitch Marner seems to be the one most people likely believe is going to get traded out of the core four. And that's interesting, because how do you trade, A, a contract that, is going to be beyond a lot of teams' ability to take on. And how do you get equal fair trade for that? Just as an option, is a Mitch Marner to San Jose for Eric Carlson deal? Then you've got that stud defenseman. However, he's also older than Marner too. So it creates a very specific time window for Toronto. It gives them basically a two, three year window max. Does Toronto take a page out of the Vancouver Canucks history when Brian Burke was their general manager and they drafted the Sedin twins, I believe it was in the 1999 draft, and trade two out of the core four. As nuts as that sounds, do they make trades with Columbus and San Jose so they can turn around and get, I don't know, Leo Carson and Mitchkoff? But obviously Mitchkoff isn't going to come right away. So now you've depleted the talent you have in that limited window on your team. And is Leo Carson ready to be determined? Because it's a pretty easy guess to say that Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli aren't going to be there. So who do they take? So it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I'm sure the rumors and the desires to create chaos and stories are just going to be running rampant in that city. It seems like Montreal might have started a trend with coaching. It seems like the coaching window has been shattered. It seems like a lot of the rehires, retreads, guys that have been around for a long time aren't necessarily being looked at as Anaheim has hired their new head coach, Greg Cronin, out of the Colorado AHL franchise. The Washington Capitals have hired Spencer Carberry, who was with them for a while, then went to Toronto and is now back with Washington. We already mentioned Mike Sullivan will be retained in Pittsburgh with Dubas. The Nashville Predators came out of left field and relieved head 
coach John Haynes, which nobody considered or even thought was going to happen. And they replaced him with Andrew Burnett taking over. So apparently that must be one of those new general manager wants his own guy. Who knows what the true story is there. Some people are already losing their mind and trying to figure out why Mike Babcock is the leading head coach. And basically it seems as though people are waiting for the expiration of his contract from his days in Toronto before officially announcing anything. I think Babcock has got some qualities that are really to be admired as a head coach. He definitely gets the most out of his players. And Columbus has iced the team now since even probably a year before Tortorella left as their head coach because the players basically tuned him out. So that that's why that year was a waste. But since then, have kind of just been apathetic as a team. There's been no consistency, no real effort, not any kind of like, well, we're professional athletes, we should play like them. They've had a lot of consistency issues. And maybe Mike Babcock can kind of get some motivation going. Maybe that's what they need. Maybe he'll instill a style that will play to the strengths of that team. Because that team has been disappointing the last couple of years without a doubt. The New York Rangers seem to be a team that's lost. They have not given any indication as to what they're looking for. Of course, after Nashville relieved John Hines as their coach, New York immediately interviewed him. But still, there has been no indication out of all the people that they've interviewed who a leading candidate is, who they are leaning towards, what they're looking for from their head coach. Does this next head coach have to be somebody that automatically aligns with players, or does he have free reign to do whatever he thinks is necessary? That seems to be a really cloudy situation there. Though, they have said they definitely have no interest in Patrick Waugh, who many thought would be kind of an ideal fit. Kind of New York has always been considered a place full of egos and Wah has an ego so a lot of people were thinking that might be a good fit. It'll be interesting to see if Wah actually returns to the NHL. Apparently however he left Colorado which I have no details of that or anything wasn't a good thing. Apparently people are saying that if you can't get along with Joe Sackick you can't get along with anybody and apparently that just didn't end real well so there might be a lot of bad blood and as well as some kind of blacklisting going on as far as Wah being a candidate for anything in the NHL again. And to go along with that, I just do not think Montreal needs him in any position other than if at some point, apparently since Wa really loves playing golf with his friends and things like that, maybe he can be a member of the ambassador team for the Canadians and do community work. But that's about only fit I can see for Patrick Waugh in Montreal. Other than that, maybe if the NHL actually puts a team back in the city of Quebec, maybe he can go be the president and the GM or one of the other of those. That no doubt he would love that role and that would fit him perfectly. Other than that, Calgary might be his only best option left as far as the current vacancies in the National Hockey League. And it doesn't seem like their new general manager, Craig Conroy, is looking for that kind of coach. He seems to be looking for again a trend that Montreal started kind of a fresh face new system new outlook different way of dealing with players he seems to be looking for something totally different that way moving on to the New York Islanders apparently there are a lot of people questioning if both Lou Lamorello as well as coach Lane Lambert were coming back I don't know why they seem to have a very sound season last year yes they had some periods of time where they seemed to have lost their concentration or focus but overall was a really strong season they're trying to put something together so I don't know why everybody would think Lamorello and Lambert would like leave in the middle of that everybody's like oh you know Lou Lamorello 
Moreau is 80 years old. Nobody knows how they're doing better than the individual themselves. So if he thinks he's okay at 80, he shouldn't have a problem from anybody else that way. And the guy looks phenomenal for being 80 years old. There's people that are 60 that look older than he does. Heading back to Montreal, there must be some people both very happy and very depressed. Very happy because both Michael Pozzetta signed a new two-year contract. More importantly, by far, Cole Caulfield has signed an eight-year new contract, which has to make a lot of people happy. However, by those two players signing, now the continuous chaos can't fester anymore because those contracts have actually come to a conclusion. The players have signed them. The story's over. So that must be very depressing to a lot of people. Strange that that would be depressing. I think that would be great news. But already, people you can tell are sitting there going, well, is Cole Caulfield going to come back and be the same player? What's going to happen to that shoulder? Is that going to be totally healed? And a lot of people are chiming in going, well, you know, the first year after you return for something like that, you're not going to be anywhere near the player. How does anybody know that? That's my question. How does anybody actually know that? Even if you've been through that same surgery, every person's body and every person of a different age, based on their physical condition to begin with and endurance, heals differently. Based on their age, heals differently. And based on their own rehabilitations, therapy, workout practices, desire, commitment to to it follow through all of that can't be measured that's an individual and Cole Caulfield if you listen to his interviews after signing that contract he's ready to go he is ready to go with Nick Suzuki and I think those two really want their names not only in the Canadians record book under accomplishments by players but are really really dying to update that wonderful list of historical accomplishments with some recent history by some recent players think about how long it's been since Montreal's had a 50 goal scorer, a 100 point season player, you know, most goals by a left wing, right wing, most assists, any of those kind of records. It's been ages and it's overdue to update that, but Montreal hasn't had that kind of talent. Now they do. Now they've got those two and a whole bunch more coming. You might just be able to see some updates in that incredible record book of accolades that the Montreal Canadiens have as an organization. Now, we'll wrap up this episode with the current playoffs in the NHL, and again, the NHL just has to be beside themselves with enjoyment in the fact that two of their southern markets have made it to the finals. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a lot more competitive. I honestly thought it was going to go seven games. I did not expect Vegas to shut Florida out in game one, blow them out seven to two in game two. That was surprising. I did not think Vegas Vegas was that good of a team or better than Florida. I thought they were pretty equal. And the fact that Florida's already taken out the President Cup winning champion, Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs, their competition has been a lot harder than Vegas. I didn't think Vegas was going to be as strong or as consistent as they have been. That's my mistake. I obviously underestimated them. Vegas is coming to play. And Vegas has put it all together at the right time. Just like Florida. I mean, again, right up to the last game of the regular season, nobody thought Florida was even going to make the playoffs. Obviously, they put it together at the right time, but I thought it was going to be a much more competitive seven-game Stanley Cup Finals. I'm not one of those kind of people that's like every series has got to go to seven games. There's apparently some really drama fanatics out there. I'm okay with four-game sweeps, but in the finals itself, it would have been nice to see this go seven games, and unless something changes, probably not going to happen. Undoubtedly, Vegas is a hell of a parade city, a hell of a celebration city. 
they're, I'm sure, going to have a lights out parade if their Golden Knights win it. And of course, if the Golden Knights win it, they will be by far the quickest and most successful expansion team in any league in any sport. And that in itself is an amazing accomplishment. They have been an organization of consistency from the day they started. Obviously, they've got really solid ownership, really great management. I'm glad in a way for Bruce Cassidy because I think he got the short end of the deal in Boston. So this is great for him personally, but I was really rooting for Florida. I really wanted to see Florida pull it off. I think the Florida goaltender, for some reason, a lot of people were talking about before the cup finals started, will the extended layoff hurt Florida as great as it is for resting and healing purposes. I think it screwed up Bobrovsky's rhythm dramatically. On that note, thank you for tuning in to episode 49 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles. Have an amazing weekend.